Before we begin our Torah study, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. We are beginning this week in the second book of Moses, which in English is called what? Exodus. That's right. And in Hebrew... Shemot, and Exodus and Shemot have no relationship to each other. Exodus means to go out, and it describes you know, the major event in uh, the first part of, of this book, which is the, the leaving from Egypt and from slavery. And Shemot is a Hebrew word that means names. And there's no connection between names and Exodus, except Shemot um, is, is like an opening key word in the first verse of this passage. And so the Hebrew names always come from such things, and the English names may or may not have any connection to them. But both names are good, right? And how many of you will be following strictly in the Hebrew with me today? And how many in the English? Good. And how many in Spanish? Muy bueno. Well, I want to focus today on moral courage and faithfulness and people who serve the Lord, even though it puts them at risk and costs them personally. And when I describe moral courage, I want to distinguish it between um, just the courage to do something hard, which is important. But this is more than that. This is the courage to take action for moral reasons, despite the risk of adverse consequences to oneself. It's a cost to oneself to take uh, such a position, and there can be social costs as well. There can be uh, risks that you will no longer be approved by other people when you exercise moral courage. And moral courage is not the same thing as just helping people. Helping people is good. And it may involve sometimes some courage, but moral courage is is more distinct than that. Moral courage is important because it's an expression of our willingness to serve God, even when it puts us at risk and it costs us personally. Many people are willing to take risks and to do difficult things if they themselves will gain. And this is why I think we can explain and understand why there's so many uh, workaholics in the world, people who will work really hard to make yet another buck, and working hard is good, of course it is, but it should be distinguished from doing something that's morally correct and, and difficult and doesn't cause gain for you, but it causes gain for other people. And it causes gain for the Lord. To stand up for the sake of others, to stand up as an expression of your faith in God, but not just, it it should be distinguished from just having an opinion that may be unpopular or may be difficult to express with certain people. Having an opinion, uh, so, Going on Facebook and expressing an unpopular opinion requires no moral courage. 
It doesn't really put you at risk of anything, to be honest with you. Uh, same for Twitter. And, and we can go on. In, in fact, just verbalizing a position that may be unpopular with some of the people around you is not necessarily an expression of moral courage. It, it may be, but the moral courage I want to focus on has, has action associated with it that actually puts an individual at risk, that individual who is serving the Lord. Um, and they're doing it because they want to do what is pleasing in the eyes of the Lord, even if it costs them personally. Now, before we look at this week's Torah portion, I want to look at two scriptures that give us an understanding of God's attitude about such people. And the first one is from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. And the letter to Hebrews could be called the letter to Messianic Jews, if we wanted to use a modern uh, phrase, because it really was written to Jewish believers specifically. And it, it Though it's for all believers, it was addressed initially to Jewish believers. So Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10 says this, God is not unjust. He will not forget. Let's say that. He will not forget. This is so important. God will not forget your work and the love you've shown him as you've helped his people and continue to help them. You see, whenever you're serving in the congregation, whenever you're serving in the community of faith, and you're serving intentionally as an act of love and faith, then God takes notice, and he won't forget that. He won't forget what you do. But when we think about moral courage, which goes even beyond that, the kind of service I'm talking about, God is not unjust. He will keep track. Now, it's not that you will earn brownie points and if you get enough points, you get to go to heaven and if you don't get enough points, you don't even get a merit badge. It's not that. It's that God takes notice of the things that we do. And he pays attention to what's in our heart and how we express it. Now, there's another passage that's equally important. It's 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. And it says this, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. This is so important. God is, is observant. He's looking all over the earth. He's trying to find people whose hearts are committed to him. And when he finds such people, he not only takes notice of them, he does something else. He strengthens them. He fortifies them. Your decision to be fully committed to God brings you resources from God that you won't get otherwise. If, if you're uh, double-minded, yes, no, yes, no, maybe so, certainly. If you're double-minded, the scripture teaches us you shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. If you're single-minded, if you're fully committed to the Lord, you should expect to receive strength and fortification. 
And there are people in the room right now who have experienced it even in the last few days, the last few hours, or last few weeks and months. You are really committed to the Lord, but you or loved ones have gone through trials and difficulties, and God has helped you get through them. And it wasn't just your own strength and your willpower, it was the faithfulness of God being expressed to you and fortifying you. How many have had that experience where you, you found yourself weak, but you found God strengthening you? So you didn't give up, you didn't give in, and you knew it wasn't just because of your own willpower, but the grace of God was operating on your behalf. It's important to know the attitude that God has towards those who are faithful and those who sacrifice because it helps us understand how to live for him and how to, um, how to combine our strength with his strength and his grace. Some people think that the grace of God is only to be used for forgiveness. In other words, I know I should have done this, but I didn't do it, I did the wrong thing, please forgive me. Oh, he's so gracious, he forgives us. Well, that's one way of using the grace of God, but there's another way that's even more valuable, I think, which is to say, Lord, I wanna be strong with you, and I don't have the power to do everything, but I want to, and I know you can help me. Help me, pour out your grace. Fortify me, strengthen me, renew me. This may not seem like an example because it may sound silly. It didn't feel that way at the time. Uh, Sandy and I were working in Ukraine and one of our tasks was to persuade the government of Ukraine to recognize Messianic Judaism as a distinct religious movement and Messianic congregations as distinct congregations so that they could be registered. Without registration, they couldn't even rent a facility. They could not operate. They couldn't uh, do uh, just basic functions. And uh, we had success one day, and that's a whole other story, all the details of it, but afterwards, um, we went out to eat at a nearby restaurant in Kiev, and that restaurant had really good borscht. And I just felt like celebrating with borscht <laughs> on that day. And so we're at the restaurant and the waiter comes and I ask a question like, um, what kind of meat is in the borscht? And he said, beef. And I thought, great. That's exactly what I want. And before I could say, I'll take it, he looked at my face and he made a quick analysis, why is this guy asking this question? And then he figured out something, so he then said, however, <laughs> right at the end, they finish it with Salah. Uh-oh, Salah is, um, how would you describe it in English? Pork fat. Pork fat. Yeah. A little lard. Yeah, like that. Well, at that moment, 
Here we just gotten recognition, you know, from the government from Messianic Judaism and, you know, Jews who love Messiah. Jews who honor Torah and the New Covenant Scriptures like that. And I want borscht. And part of me said, I really don't care. Sincerely, I didn't. And I was going to order it. But before I got a chance to order it, the waiter said, I'll bring you bouillon, you know, chicken bouillon, which I really did not want. And I said, fine. (laughs) And he brought it. Now, when he brought it and I'm eating this soup that to me is flavorless and lacks the gusto of a good borscht, I'm thinking I could have had Why did I even ask him the question? So I'm going like that. But I eat the soup and so forth. Later on, the Lord was speaking to my heart and he said, you know, eating kosher food, and it wasn't really kosher kosher, but it was not unkosher, if you know what I mean. Eating kosher is an easy thing. What's really hard is getting your heart clean. (laughs) And, you know, that changed my sense about what was going on because I was thinking, it's hard to be a Messianic Jew. (laughs) The hard part is not about what food you eat or don't eat. That's the easy part. The hard part is what we take into our hearts and what we nurture. And so, as I'm reading the book of Exodus, I'm I'm looking at something. Who are the people who really have heart and who really act with moral courage? And for the sake of time, I want to encourage you to... uh, to read quickly with me, but also to go home and to read this passage yourself if you didn't read it in advance. You'll always do better at services if you've read the, uh, the readings before you come so that you're more fully prepared. But the passage starts by identifying Joseph, and Joseph was a man of moral courage. You know his story. And then it tells us that a new pharaoh arose who didn't know Joseph or didn't recognize Joseph. He didn't appreciate Joseph. And he didn't appreciate what Joseph had done for Egypt. And um, he saw Joseph and the children of Israel as a threat and decided to do harm to them. You can read about that in the first, uh, in the first half of Exodus chapter 1. But he he makes an order to the midwives who are serving the Jewish people. And he says, if if a Jewish child is born, you need to look and decide, if this is a male, you need to kill him. If it's a female, you can let her live. Well, it turns out that the midwives who are serving the Jewish people had moral courage. (coughs) And they did not follow the edict of Pharaoh. 
it's so important what they did. They risked their own lives to save the lives of mothers giving birth and to save the lives of the children being born. Let's read in Exodus chapter one, verse 15. It says, the, the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, spoke to the Hebrew midwives, though the, the phrase in Hebrew can be translated two different ways. It can be the midwives who served the Hebrew women, or it can be Hebrew women who were midwives. It can be read either way. And some people are persuaded these are not uh, Jewish people, they're Egyptians, which makes it even more interesting. So the king of Egypt spoke to these midwives, one of whom was called Shifra and the other Puach, and he said this, when you attend the Hebrew women and you see them giving birth, if it's a boy, kill him. If it's a girl, let her live. However, the midwives were, what does your Bible say? God-fearing. God-fearing women. It's a very interesting phrase, isn't it? God's taking note of these women. He names them. The Pharaoh at this point is unnamed. But the two midwives are named. Isn't that interesting? And they're God-fearing women. And we can understand God-fearing in, in several different ways. One of them is that they, they fear the wrath of God. That's one way of understanding it. A, another way is to understand it as uh, those who hold God in awe and have such respect for him that they would not do what he considers abhorrent. But there's an element of God-fearing that's really important. Fearing God will liberate you from other fears. It's different from the fear of man. The fear of man, the scripture says, is a snare. It will trap you. The fear of God, however, is the beginning of wisdom. It will set you free. It will set you free from evil actions. The midwives were God-fearing women. And so they didn't do as the king of Egypt ordered, but they let the boys live. That's moral courage, do you see it? And it's also faith, do you see that too? It's, it's not because they just love little babies so much, though they did, I'm sure they did. But it's because they respected God so much. That was their motivation. But it was an act of civil disobedience, do you agree? Very important. The king of Egypt summoned the midwives and demanded of them, why have you done this and let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh. Interesting answer. They didn't tell him the whole truth. Maybe they didn't tell him any other truth. They said, well, it's because the Hebrew women aren't like Egyptian women. They go into labor and they give birth before we even get there. They have their babies too fast. What can we do? And some have drawn the conclusion that it is moral to lie to evildoers for the sake of others. Interesting thought. Here's what's interesting to me. These women put their lives at risk. They were ordered by Pharaoh to kill the baby boys. They didn't obey. You know what he could have done? Kill them. 
But he didn't. And we learn something. People who stand up to evildoers and stand up to tyrants and stand up to those who have evil plans do put themselves at risk, and sometimes it costs them everything. But other times, the evildoers back down, and they don't know what to do. It happened, for instance, in Denmark when uh, King Christian made a decision that all of the Danish people would put on the yellow star that the Jews were ordered to put on by the Nazis. And the Nazis didn't know what to do. They couldn't kill all the Jews. It, it happened in Bulgaria as well when the king said, you cannot take any of the Jews. It happened for a short time in Italy when uh, the rulers of Italy were saying, you cannot have the Jews. But when ordinary people give in, it allows extremely evil people to have their victory. But this shows us that even though there was great uh, risk, Pharaoh didn't know what to do with their moral courage. It then goes on. Therefore God prospered the midwives. And the people continued to multiply and grow very powerful. Indeed, because the midwives feared God, he made them founders of families. Isn't that interesting? They saved baby boys. They defied Pharaoh. They put their own lives at risk, and what is the reward God gives them? Families. They become the founders of families. You know, some people go through a little math, a mo some moral calculations, they say, Oh, wow, if I do this, it could cost me my life. If it costs me my life, then I won't even be around for my family. My family's so important, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they argue themselves and create a rationale why they should not stand up to evil and why they shouldn't have moral courage. But these women, these women didn't go through that calculation. They thought... Before God, we want to be honorable. Even if it costs us everything, so be it. We will not do this evil. We will not do it. And God says, I like that. I like these people. And those scriptures about God's attitude, he's not unjust. He doesn't forget. He's searching. I'm looking for people whose hearts are fully committed. Oh, there's one. Oh, she's got to talk to Pharaoh today. Okay, she's going to need some strength. <laughs> I don't want to blame the Holy Spirit for their answer, but what if the Holy Spirit said, oh, just lie to him? <laughs> or make up this reason, or use this reason, or whatever. I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or just their, their own uh, reasoning. But in any case, the Lord strengthened them. They didn't give in to a spirit of fear. They didn't give in to fear of man. They didn't give in to fear of punishment. They didn't give in to the fear of adverse consequences. They acted with moral courage in faith with God in a way that put them at risk but was for the benefit of other people. Do you see that? This is a theme. 
and it develops in the first part of Exodus. It continues in Exodus chapter two, where we read that a man from the family of Levi, or Levi, took a woman also descended from Levi as his wife. And I always take notice of this. This is the first time in the scriptures that we read about a pair of Levi's. Okay. <laughs> I know you think that is so corny. That is a cheap joke. And then you were going to go use it yourself. Because <laughs> it actually is funny. They refused to give in or to give up, and they did not uh, throw their son into the river. Instead, in desperation, they kept him for three months hidden and then they put him in a basket and put him in such a place on the river that he ended up got taken, being taken in by Pharaoh's daughter. They trusted the Lord to rescue their son. And they trusted that even though they no longer had control when they made this decision, that God would arrange in some way to show mercy and faith to their child, which he did. And then we can read also about the daughter of Pharaoh that she had moral courage because she took in this child who clearly was not her own. And then the last person to point out in this passage that we're reading today, Exodus chapter five, verses one and two. Moses is a man of moral courage. And it takes moral courage for him to go back to Egypt after having been in the desert and having a successful sheep ministry for 40 years. Satisfied with that calling, but the Lord gets his attention with the burning bush and sends Moses. But Moses, you remember, argues a bit with the Lord because he's reluctant. He's counting the cost. And he says, you know, Lord, I'm not going to be good at this. I'm not a good speaker. And it'll be difficult for me to convince Pharaoh. And the Lord says, well, I'm not convinced. Go anyway. And Moses says, well, I just can't do this on my own. And the Lord says, that's okay. I'll be with you. The Lord strengthens Moses because he gets his heart right. And, and God uses him. And Moses goes to Pharaoh and says to Pharaoh, this is what Adonai, the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they can celebrate a festival in the desert to honor me. And Pharaoh says, who is Adonai that I should obey what he says? And when he says to let Israel go, I don't know Adonai, and I also won't let Israel go. So you have these people who express moral courage. It's, it's a message for all of us. The importance of preparing ourselves to act with moral courage. It requires that we stay in fellowship with the Lord. That we have continued fellowship with him. You see, people don't just change overnight. This is not about people being heroic. 
It's about people being transformed because of their relationship with God, and they choose out of love and respect for God to do even what costs them everything. That's the summation that Hebrews 11 gives us, verses 23 and following. By faith, say that with me, by faith, which means by trusting God and acting faithfully. Moses' parents hid him for three months after his birth because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. What caused them to not be afraid? They feared God, they loved God, and they acted faithfully in God's eyes. Verse 24, by faith, say that with me, by faith. By faith, Moses, when he was grown, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to suffer oppression with God's people rather than to experience the fleeting enjoyment of sin. He valued disgrace for Messiah above the treasures of Egypt for he was looking ahead to his reward. The writer of Hebrews is making an important statement here and that is that Moses had a revelation from God of Messiah and anticipated Messiah and that Messiah, full of courage and full of strength, full of moral virtue, would not collapse in the face of a pharaoh. And he decided, Moses decided, I'd rather be on the side of Messiah than on the side of Pharaoh. And think about what would have happened if these people had chosen otherwise. Everything would have come to an end. Moses never born. Messiah, never coming out of the line of Israel because all the males in Israel would have been destroyed. Gone, over and done with. And it shows us that God uses ordinary people with moral courage to defy extraordinary evil. And he overturns it. Imagine if more people would stand up and say, I'm not gonna be part of anything that enslaves another people. When that happens, things change. When people say, I'm not going to let the, um, the innocent and the unprotected be oppressed and harmed, we're gonna stand up for them, things change. When we have moral courage, even if we're just an individual, God can use us for good and change the course of history. Let's close just by looking once again at those scriptures about God's attitude. Second Chronicles 16.9, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's looking and he'll help. Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you've shown him as you've helped his people and continue to help them. You're not on your own when you do this. He's there with you to fortify you so that it's you and him together. Your moral courage and his moral power working together for good. Well, as we close out 2018, this is the last Shabbat of 2018 as we prepare for 2019. Let's get our hearts in a position with God where we say, Lord, I'm wholehearted with you And I may not have the strength I need all the time, but I'm gonna look to you 
for more strength and power because I want to do what honors you and I don't want to displease you. Even if I can only do a little, if it's good, I'll do it. You can count on me, Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you fortify us, that you take notice of us, that you don't forget, and that you are faithful, Lord, to those who are walking with you with faith. And we want to be such people as we close this year. We want to thank you for a good year. And as we enter 2019, we say, Lord, thank you. We'll go into this year if you'll go with us. And if you'll go with us, Lord, the best is yet to come. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your goodness. We want to live for you every day of our lives. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. We're going to close the service now with Aaron's blessing. Would you please rise? And if you're standing by yourself, if you don't mind moving a little bit so you're not alone. Thank you, Cantor Aaron, for joining me. Even he shouldn't be alone. <laughs> <laughs> Even me. Yiva Rechacha Adonai, the Yishma Recha. Yeer Adonai, Panave Lecha Vichunecha, Yisa Adonai, Panave Lecha, Vayasem Lecha Shalom. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat shalom and happy new year.